Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to the E2C Network, where the Auburn family speaks. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that is easily on a third grade reading level. Uh, I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. So I'm going to try something a little different this week. We are going to tell the story of college equestrian here, and I'm going to break everything down into chapters for you. And I'm not sure, sure I'm going to do this every time, but we're going to try it today and see how it goes. Chapter number one, The Tigers Who Came to Tea. Now, we mentioned this a bit in a past episode, but there has been a good amount of growth in the sport with several new and returning teams joining the NCEA schedule this season. Well, we have another one. Sewanee, the University of the South, has announced this week that they want to get in on all this cool head-to-head equestrian action. Uh, For those of you who may not know, Sewanee is a small private uh, liberal arts college. It's about an hour west of Chattanooga. Way back in the 1930s, they helped found the Southeastern Conference, but they left shortly after because um, they didn't want to get caught up in all this obsession with sports that the SEC, even back then, was uh, engaged in. So they left the SEC and uh, they quit giving athletic scholarships, and they basically were one of the schools that uh, was a model for what we now know as NCEA Division Three Varsity Athletics. Uh, Sewanee has had IHSA Equestrian for about 25 years now, and now they're going to add NCEA Equestrian, uh, jumping seat only, as a part of their equestrian program. So welcome to the NCEA Sewanee. Now, uh, the Swanee Tigers actually visited the Auburn Tigers this weekend, and they rode in a jumping seat only exhibition scrimmage, and it won't count on the records. Uh, So we actually don't have any words uh, on how all that went score-wise, but I I think I saw somewhere on on like Instagram or something that I think Auburn swept in one event, and and so it went pretty well. So uh, basically it was an opportunity for Auburn to get some... uh, some rides in here right before they jump into official competition and it gave Swanee kind of an introduction into what sort of competition they're about to walk into. So apparently that went well and welcome to the NCA Sewanee. Chapter two, South Carolina and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad weekend. Number eight, South Carolina decided a really good way to start off the equestrian season would be to go out, go out west to uh, California take a trip through some wine country, and then ride three meets in three days versus number nine, UC Davis, number 10, Fresno State, and number six, TCU. Well, Thursday's meet against UC Davis did not go well for the visiting Gamecocks. Uh, there were about four matchups where I had South Carolina favored that UC Davis took the point. Uh, horsemanship was particularly brutal. The Aggies won that one four to zero, even though I had it favored about three to one. Uh, with a too-close-to-call toss-up towards the, the Gamecocks. 
Um, and the other events, you know, there was a little bit of an advantage for the Aggies. So basically that horsemanship, uh, losing those horsemanship points just did South Carolina in. And, you know, we knew UC Davis was good, uh, but we, we didn't think it was going to basically shake out this way. So a bit of an upset there. The next day, the Gamecocks went on down the road to Fresno State. And they would come up again, uh, short again, losing this meet 9-10. to 10. So very close. But South Carolina actually looked a lot better in this meet. Uh, this one came down to the next of the last ride, which Fresno State won, obviously. Um, and it was just a half point in the raw score. So if that had gone the other way, that right there would have decided uh, the win- a different winner. So I think both teams probably have some positive things they can take away from this meet. But South Carolina wasn't done. Uh, they rode uh, horsemanship and equitation of the fl- on the flat against TCU on that night, and then they rode raining and fences the next day. So that last meet um, against TCU, kind of, they split it into two days to give the horses some rest. And this was also a four-on-four meet, uh, and it was, again, probably just to give the horses some rest. This was another close one, and it looked like Carolina was actually going to get the upset over TCU. And they sat on seven points for the final five rides, needing only one more point to give them the victory. But TCU got all five of those last points, and they snatched victory themselves. So, yeah, in hindsight, this is probably not the best way Carolina could have started their season. Um, They probably should have ridden a warm-up meet against some of these unranked teams first. Um, But, as we'll see in our next chapter, riding against unranked teams isn't always a guaranteed win either. Chapter 3, Don't Let the Skyhawk Drive the Bus. Now, you're going to recall how last week UT Martin did not do well against Baylor. They lost 6-13, to 13, okay? The Skyhawks actually uh, lost a lot of riders from last year's starting lineup, particularly in the Western events. They only returned two starters from last year, and it kind of showed in that meet last year, last week. So they began this weekend against Delaware State, and they ended up with a similar uh, 7-13 losing result against Delaware State. Delaware State swept all of the Western points, so you figure, okay, yeah, this is a rebuilding year in the Western rides for UT Martin. We're probably not going to expect too much out of them on that. Then they faced number three, SMU. Now this one was only a 4-on-4 meet, so that probably helped UT Martin a little bit, especially on the Western side, where they're not as deep. But the Skyhawks just came out on fire. They took the lead from the start, and they ended up with a shocking 9-6 to victory over uh, SMU. This is a huge victory. Big, massive upset. Uh, keep in mind, UT Martin was unranked. SMU was number three. And no one outside of maybe a few riders on UT Martin saw this coming. And truthfully, I bet even they were pretty shocked about it as well. So I'm I'm not really sure what to think of this UT Martin team or really of SMU right now. Um, and it's not going to be easy doing the official Auburn Elvis rankings this week, I'll tell you what. Uh, also, this Skyhawk win created a circular argument of who is the best in the ECAC right now because all three teams uh, at the top have a one-and-one record, and so it's deadlocked in the standings. So good luck to me trying to figure that out. Hey Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs. Especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. 
Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C Network Booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C Network to join the E2C Network Booster Club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. Chapter 4, Go Dog Go. The best performances of the weekend have to go to Fresno State. As we mentioned above, the Bulldogs hosted South Carolina on Friday, clinching the narrow 10-9 win in the uh, penultimate ride of that meet. The next day, Fresno State hosted TCU, and they won another thrilling 10-9 victory. This one came down to the final ride of the day. Now, the Bulldogs return a lot of their starters from last year, like uh, Anna Bertozzi and Cecily Hayes on that jumping seat side, and then uh, Lexi Padrick on the western side, and all of them were undefeated for the entire weekend in every one of the head-to-head rides that they did. So good job to those ladies. I also want to point out that these were full five-on-five meets. And I know that in the past, I have given Fresno State heck every time they ride a four-on-four meet. So it is only fair that this time I point out that these were both full 20-point meets and Fresno State looked the better in each of them. So good job, Bulldogs. Uh, Now with this uh, TCU win, Fresno State moves into first place in the Big 12 standings. And we will await the winner of uh, this week's Oklahoma State at Baylor meet uh, to see who is going to join them atop the conference standings. Chapter 5, The Frog Princesses. We mentioned TCU in parts of other teams' stories uh, so far, but I wanted to take a moment and do a quick rundown of the Horned Frogs weekend that they just had. Now, as you know from earlier, they had the big come-from-behind win against South Carolina. They took those last five points to win that meet and they basically crushed the Gamecocks' hope that day. Later on that same day, they turned around and they rode against Fresno State, and they narrowly lost that one 9-10 on that final ride, like I mentioned. Then, on Sunday, TCU drove over to uh, Davis, California, and they rode against UC Davis Aggies. The first few points in this one were kind of a back and forth, but then the Horned Frogs turned it up a notch. They jumped out to a 7-3 lead at the half, and they put together a second-half performance that was good enough to hang on for an 11-9 victory. They did uh, let UC Davis come back a bit with a 4-1 performance that the Aggies had on the flat, and frankly, we're seeing a lot of teams have trouble with the flat. Uh, It's it's the big question mark. It's just tough to get a lot of good flat riders, so the flat is going to determine so many of these meets this year. Um, But anyway, like I said, the big lead was too much for the Aggies to overcome, so TCU gets that win on, on the Sunday. So, a lot of exciting action for TCU fans this weekend. Um, oh, yeah. Now, you know, when I was putting together the titles of the chapters uh, in the podcast here, it struck me that 
Um, when the MOPs get awarded at these meets, uh, you, you know, and how um, MOP, it used to stand for Most Outstanding Player, but that was dumb because you don't play, you ride. So a lot of the teams just either call it MOP only, or they come up with a more, you know, correct uh, sounding acronym of Most Outstanding Performance. Well, here's what I think TCU should do. They should really go with this whole frog princesses thing, and they should just call MOP the most outstanding princesses, or at least do it unofficially. And what they could do is they could give out custom MOP uh, tiaras, or maybe wands or something, uh, because everybody's always looking to to kind of differentiate themselves with the MOP gifts. And, you know, everybody does flowers. I think Texas A&M does bunt cakes. Georgia does medals or ribbons or something. And so, yeah, if they gave out tiaras for, you know, the most outstanding princesses, that'd be pretty cool. Or if maybe you don't want to do that, maybe they could get some purple frog plushies printed up with like, um, you know, TCU equestrian and MOP embroidered on them. And they can hand those out to the winner. So, you know, do something cool, though. Don't just give out flowers like everybody else do does. So if you like those ideas, feel free to use them, TCU. Chapter six, we're different. We're the same. So now let's do a quick look ahead to this weekend. SMU will visit TCU for a non-conference showdown that will let every team try to distinguish themselves nationally. In another meet, Oklahoma State will visit Baylor in both of those teams' first Big 12 action. But the meet of the week is going to be number one Georgia at number two Auburn. And because so many of my listeners follow one of those two teams, let's take a moment to preview this meet. Neither team has ridden in any official competition yet. Each have done some internal or external scrimmages to get ready as best they can, but this Friday's meet will be the first big test for either of these teams. The jump and seat riders to keep an eye on uh, for the Tigers are Ava Stearns, Emma Kurtz, Megan Knappick, Ellie Ferrigno, and I have also been hearing some good things about freshman Sophie Steckback. Now the Western riders to watch for Auburn are... Taylor Searles, Olivia Tordoff, Boo Kammerer, Isabel Tessimer, and the notorious Terry June Granger. Now, the Bulldog riders to watch out for in the jumping seat are Haley Morano, Cece Bresch, and Jordan Toring. And on the western side, you can look out for these Georgia riders, Taylor Burgess, Kendall Gill, Lee Anderson, Addie Cullum, Courtney Bloomer, Jordan Carpenter, and the former Auburn Tiger transfer, Kayla Shellnut. Now, looking at these two teams, for Auburn, I think this uh, meet gives them a chance to really show that they can just reload after losing those three starters who accounted for six spots in their lineup and about five points per meet. For Georgia, this is a chance to show that they can defend their national championship against anyone. The keys of the meet for Auburn will be how many points can these newcomers earn. I expect Auburn's returning starters can get about seven points on Georgia. So those last three or four points that Auburn's going to want are going to need to come from either new riders or some of the less experienced returning riders stepping up their game. For Georgia, it's kind of the same story. I think that their returning riders should get about seven points from Auburn and that those last three or four points that they want will depend on their new riders and also how some of the matchups go with their more experienced riders who just, you know, didn't win as much in the past. They have a fair amount of experience distributed across a lot of riders over there, so a lot of this is going to come down to which Auburn rider uh, gets uh, matched up against the Georgia fourth or fifth rider, um, because depending on that, 
you know, it's either going to favor Auburn or Georgia. So a lot is going to be determined by the random matchup that gets uh, set in on that morning. Now, uh, Auburn in particular has a lot of Friday meets in the fall because they're always having to schedule around football, and that makes it difficult for me to be there in person on these Friday meets because I do have to work and then get down to Auburn. Um, So I'm not sure if I'm going to be there for this big meet, but whether I am following the action in person or from my studio, um, I will be sure to keep everybody up to date on all the action. Um, Also, I want everybody to keep an eye out for the official Auburn Elvis College Equestrian Rankings article that comes out on Wednesday. So that way you'll know how everything that happened this weekend gets reflected in the rankings. And that is our show for week two of the college equestrian season. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much for listening and War Horses. Thank you for tuning in today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.